good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and so on, depending on where you're located. So the um, I've given that other Dharma talk, I think, uh, 90-10 rules. So I just, uh, that was just upgraded to 91-9. So it is now, I decided that I'm just, I, I'm just giving people too much talking time. So uh, we're going to go to 9, 9% of the time talk and 91 listen, because I, I know you probably can't even do that because I can't. So what, what is the idea here? The idea is to give you kind of a guideline, I guess, a little bit of a guideline to help you see how important it is to spend more time receiving. Because we kind of think that we're good listeners and we think that we're receiving. But uh, without some kind of a, I don't know what you'd call it, some kind of a, a structure to lay over that to take a look at it. So it's just an idea. And by calling it, 91.9, it might be, make it more, um, bring up a little curiosity with someone to be able to look at this. So uh, what I'm interested in doing and to help you with, which I have spent a lot of time doing what I'm recommending that you do, uh, I, I've known a lot of people and I'm almost 80. So. Uh, listen a lot, listen, and, and one of the ways you can listen, not just listen, excuse me, not just listen uh, and, and to what is being said, but what I'm basically saying is receive, listen, but also receive everything, receive the hand gestures, don't abandon someone's hand gesture for what it means. Whatever you see doesn't mean something else, my friends, it might on the mundane path, but if you're talking to me, if you're listening to me, if you're listening to me, if you're talking to me, you might find uh, ego doesn't like this because it starts to uh, to develop some uh, perception dyslexia. It starts to develop some uh, insecurity around this and that, insecurity around subject object, insecurity about around the kind of reference points it has been leaning on, grasping, clinging to, and has been locked up by, probably for many life, lifetimes, but at least this one. If you hadn't seen into that a little bit, if you hadn't seen a little bit of a little bit of a idea there that you probably aren't going to be able to fix this or change this or readjust this or do something like that with it, then you might want to look at this particular way of doing it, which is, as I understand it, as I have received it goes back 2,500 years to the time of the Buddha. I would say that you probably cannot really, you could say apply this or look at this as somewhat of a guideline, it's not a rule when I say rule, but it's in this, uh, the way I understand this, we observe the forms, we don't obey them, because there's sometimes where you might have to talk a lot. And if you're obeying a form, then you, because you're so, uh, your energy is going into making sure you do it so much because of the, of the insecurity around being wrong or being incorrect or doing a form incorrectly. There's no way you can do a form incorrectly. That, that can take decades to see that on your own. You just lucked out. I'm telling you. 
Don't believe a word I say. Don't do anything with it. Leave here and never come back. That is up to you. That is up to you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't interfere with your life path at all unless I have permission. And then I might just make some suggestions about it. One of them is train your mind, the main one. See what is true for yourself. Using, you can use the Buddha's teachings. You can use what I'm saying. Perhaps you don't need that. Perhaps you want to do this on your own. I've met people that are, that are, and you probably have too, that I have no interest in having a teacher. They like to know a teacher and be friends with a teacher, hang out with a teacher, be pals. They don't really want a teacher. That's, that's, there's too much insecurity around because the illusion is you're turning, uh, turning your, your, um, control situation over to some other guy, some other person. And if it's a true teacher, that's not happening at all. True teacher isn't interested in controlling anything. Uh, that's because the true teacher sees the very nature of control, which on the push and pull side is uh, oligarchy. And on the, on the perception side is not separate. So there isn't anything to control anything else. So 91.9, so 9% of the time, for those of you who may have not heard this, which is 9% of the time produce or talk or say or add or fill in or comment or an analyzer, da, 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 produce, produce, produce. The rest of the time, the other 91%, insofar as you can, and it isn't like a success story where you can do that. It's just a, just a guideline. You could call it a rule, but it's a guideline. So it's not something you obey. It's the other O word. Observe. You observe the form and then your own particular dynamic of passion, aggression, ignorance, hope and fear and all the other things that that show up as clarity in your cloudy mind. Then that may show up, too, as some kind of a reference point so that you can see when it is dependently arisen. In other words, totally appropriate. There's a, a dependently arisen, dependent origination, pratitya samapada all over the place. That's a little bit easier to see that one. But to see what is happening in the mind stream is pushing on that, pushing on that, the thoughts push on this. This is why I don't teach traditional mindfulness or shamatha vipassana, lakdong shine. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. So if you're practicing that, if you want to practice it, blessings, <laughs> go do it. Uh, it might be good to have a teacher who's teaching that. Usually they are uh, lamas, but not always. There's lots of Westerners that are not Tibetans that can teach this also. That could be a, exactly the path you need. That means getting a controlled mind and then seeing what, ha what happens. Uh, and I'm being a little silly about it. Of course, it isn't exactly that. But it's like that kind of trying to calm, get a mind that is clear. Mindfulness. Be mindful. It's a big illusion. How do I know? Decades of looking at it. And as it says in the Tisha Seven Points of Mind Training, of the two, me and you guys, or you and this person, of the two, keep the principal witness. This does not mean believe your thoughts. It just means the witnessing, the observing quality of your mind is, is highly intelligent. This is already wisdom. But you may not realize it because you keep looking for proof. And the very, the very need for proof is uh, the very nature of the relative path. Why it is so damn sticky. Velcro. Where do you think Velcro came from? Didn't come from, uh, yeah, probably did. Well, I don't know, though. Go ahead, Bill. 
You had a question or I saw your hands up. Do you have a question? Bill? Rockwell? No, sorry, I was just bowing in. <laughs> Good. Well, welcome. Nice to see you. Thank you very much. It's always nice to be here. Really good to see you again. Very nice to be here. I really like you too. <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> so, Bill, it's a uh, ninety-one-nine. Used to be ninety-ten, but that wasn't strong enough, so we've gone to ninety-one-nine. So now you can just short. By the time you get used to that, I'm going to change it to something else. It will probably be ninety-two. And what's that other number? It's, 92.8. Uh, eventually, I'll get to one that is probably enough, and I'll go back to 90.10. So this is a, everything I'm saying here is about in, insofar as you can, and this is not comfortable. So this is not going to feel like you're becoming more mindful. This is this this is a mundane path of getting better spiritual materialism. As a my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, the Dorje Dralo Mukpo would say trying to use spiritual techniques to get somewhere, including improving. You don't need to improve. That which uh, is uh, is uh, looking at this and seeing this in terms of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, good and evil, life and death, that wants, that wants some kind of relative uh, um, uh, longevity or needs to last or needs to solidify. And we're not against that. That can be included also. You can still sell cars. You can still run a restaurant. You can still do lots of things, maybe even with uh, in, in a way that is a lot less contentious and worrisome. So the idea here is besides, I'm just going to give you an example. If you're talking to someone, you're having difficulty with a particular person, a coworker, a spouse or children's or, or anyone could be with me. I don't know. I give people a lot of trouble. They get in front of me too long. But Insofar as you can, receive, receive, listen, listen. And not only listen to what they're saying, but watch the body movement. And when I say don't add, I'm saying don't take what is appearing in front of you in, turn, uh, in, in terms of the coming through the six sense fields, including the mind, including the hearing, including the seeing, excuse me, and abandon that. And I'm saying it back because that's what we're doing. When you look at something, you see something, what it is. When a thought appears in your mind, don't abandon it for whatever, why is it happening? Uh, why am I thinking that? I shouldn't be thinking that. And I can go on and on, but you already know what I'm talking about. Do nothing with it. If you do nothing with it, then it will be exactly what it is in terms of something that is very difficult to see, but you can do it, dependent origination. This is where the, the personhood does not get any nutrition from because the personhood, the separation, the apparent, the 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 uh, imaginary nature gets its nutrition from accepting, rejecting, shutting down, elaborating, concluding, excluding, da 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 da, da all over to get some kind of a feeling of somebody must be doing this through imputation. And nope, that's not going to happen. That's not happening. But you have to see it. If I can talk about that, other people have talked about it in books, it's all over the place. Just like in the monk talks yesterday, that topic was covered uh, quite a bit, especially in. Uh, Sokoen's talk on the five dharmas and uh, the three modes or the three own beings that comes out of the Lankavatara Sutra. So there are lots of structures to help you approach that. And that's all the uh, uh, 91, 9%, 91%, 9%. That's all that is, is kind of a structure to help you 
approach the awareness part of seeing what is true. And uh, some of that seeing what is on the moves and receiving is your own thought patterns about what is moving. But if you, if I'll, I'll put it as simply as I can, something occurs and we add on something on, onto it spontaneously. If the awareness is being strengthened or being prioritized, so we just see what happens, what moves, then you will not only see the dependent origination that is apparently outside or impersonal and the dependent origin, dependently arisen uh, that has happened within the mind stream of your personhood, your personality, your ego, um, and all the other causes and conditions that arise as any given person's uh, structure coming out of ancient karma. But then you, as a training your mind, are able to slowly, this can't be, uh, you can't, can't muscle your way into that, into this. That's what ego does. It's muscle bound. It muscles its way into everything because it wants what? Control. So the ego can feel like it's, uh, it's not losing control or at least it's somebody here. And we have powerful examples of that all over the world of public people all over the place. Rare to find someone who is in public who is not making a mess of things and calling it success. Cheers on bowing. Can we receive our production bowing? Yes. And that's where, thank you for that. That's where I was going. So let me go, go back to that little image. I'm looking at it in my mind, in my mind stream here and trying to find a good way to, because I see this. I often say I teach out of what I see, not out of what I know. I don't know anything. When I say that, I'm just not like some kind of, oh, I'm this great person that doesn't know stuff or something. I don't mean that. I'm saying pretty literal. Don't know a lot, but I don't really contain information about stuff. It's interesting because if I need to know something like that, it shows up. That doesn't mean some kind of magical thing happening. It's just that that if you're if you begin to function out of the dependent origination you've been ignoring, your whole life will be choiceless from now on. You'll do everything out of just what's been called before, just dancing with phenomena, and that would be a a kind of a romantic way of saying that uh, not much is happening, if anything. And so to go back to your question, Chazan, something occurs and then our, our conditioning uh, adds to it. Well, I don't like that. I don't, there it goes again. Or there, so we, we don't even try to do it. We just immediately pounce on it as, well, that's, that must be that. Here that go. Why is that happening again? Why did she say that? Instead of receiving what she said as dependent origination, which is completely valid and is absolutely perfect. I don't care what she's saying. You're the one that adds the content. She might, he might, they might be producing some kind of content out of fear. But if you're on this path, then you are looking at the inspiration to function as a bodhisattva. If you want help in that way, I'll help you. But I can't do it for you. You have to do it. You have to look at what arises. This is what the sitting practice is about. Sitting practice, looking at the wall, you probably never will. Uh, nothing interesting much is going to happen there, more than likely. If it does, then uh, it won't last. It's not about occurrence. And so something, something, somebody said something to you, and then you have an immediate response to that. And then you might have a response to the response. I shouldn't be thinking that. I should give her the benefit of the doubt. I should, I should, they shouldn't. Why is she saying that? 
And then that happens. And then we add another thing to it that takes it another direction. So we constantly laminate things over the top of it. We all do it on, in some way or another, regardless of your, of your illumination. I do it. That's how I know about it. I watch it every day. So something, I'll go through it again. Something, she says something to you. I'm not just picking on a, on women. It could be he says something to you or your boss says something to you or your, your next door neighbor, or your friend or your Dharma brother, Dharma sister or your, or your uh, teacher says something to you. And then you have a spontaneous reaction to that of, uh, you know, what does that mean? That, that's embarrassing or that, that doesn't feel very good. If it's coming from your teacher, this is your opportunity to just not add or subtract and feel whatever the reaction is. I learned that from the Vidyatara, Chogyam Trungpa, about 48 years ago, in person. But I didn't understand it until a few years ago. So when something arises, she says this, he says this, and then we spontaneously add, and then we add to the adding. And then that doesn't feel too good because that feels incorrect, doesn't fit. And so we add to that adding. And so we constantly add, we're producing. This is the this is why I'm saying uh, 91.9. I'm saying not, they're just, just receive whatever shows up, not only in someone's words, but anything that, that tries to come, come on as a pilot fish, jump on there and ride in to your apparent mental territory as something that is also valid. Well, the first thing wasn't even valid. It wasn't relatively valid, but, but it was ultimately valid, valid because it's dependently arisen. You have to see it. You can't, because if you don't see it, you keep looking for something else. <laughs> there isn't anything else. You have to look at what is in front of you. And it takes a while because for centuries, you have been looking the other way, not accusing you of anything. For all I know, the Buddha is sitting here uh, on the screen. And what would I say beyond that? Of course, the Buddha is sitting here. Of course. She just doesn't know it. So something arises, someone yells, someone says something, and then there's, a, there's an immediate, like a knee-jerk reaction to it. And then there's an, another reaction that is that, that is more like actual actual production I'm addressing when I say 91.9. I'm saying, don't, don't produce, just receive that reaction, receive what you, what looks like it came from out there, and then receive what you also thought you produced. There's <laughs> the nature of ego is to take credit, not only for the, for the successes, but for the crimes. It's called non-duality, not two. So then notice how you add to that and then receive that, be aware of that, and then be aware of how you want to jump on that and manipulate it some more. You want control, even if it's even if it's a, a control uh, uh, behind bars, you still want control, some kind of, any kind of relative scraps of control, we want it. So this is an area also where you can see when you add on to what has just shown up, and also what has shown up from your automatic production, which is not about, that's not about the 91, 91.9. The, the 91.9 applies to what you do with whatever rises from out here, dependent origination, and whatever rises from in here, the conditioned aspect of the singularity of consciousness that we call a human being, that is being, that comes out of dependent origination. And so when that, then when we add onto that, that's the area where the 91.9, where you, where you 
endeavor to whatever shows up, whatever shows up. If it looks like it came from out there, if it looks like it came from in here, if it looks like it's a response, if it looks like it's a response to a response, insofar as you can, be as minimal as you can. Less is better. Just less, less and receive. And whatever shows up as some kind of reaction to that, the emotion, the feeling, if you can, if you can, don't struggle with it or fight with it or chastise yourself because you're having a, a, a disappointing session here. But insofar as you can, um, don't do much with it. Insofar as you can, without struggling. And by we train ourselves to do that, to observe what moves, but without adding by observing a wall over and over and over. Go in, watch what moves, don't add. Go in, watch what moves, don't add. And no, I don't teach uh, train the mind to be still, follow the breath, label thinking and all that. I did it one time. Uh, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. If you have someone to as a teacher that can help you with that, then that might not be a bad idea for you. This might not make any sense to you or it might not resonate up to you. So going back to Jason's question, <clears throat> which I, he's probably forgotten what he asked me, but I haven't. So when something shows up and then you add spontaneously knee jerk add to it, oh, oh, that, why are they saying that? Or I don't deserve this or all of the other, the, uh, all the other uh, canned laughter that comes that direction that isn't actually authentic because it's a knee jerk, but it's authentic and then it's dependently arisen. And then you don't, you don't, you can't intercept that trigger. What can you do? You can receive what's coming. I sometimes say, I'll say now, if it rises in your mind stream or out here, you got it coming. Doesn't mean you're to blame for it. It means you're not separate from it. It's actually a Dharma gate. It's actually ordinary magic. It's an astonishing thing to realize, but it's not an experience you can explain to someone or tell someone it's not going to help somebody to tell anybody about your realizations so shut up keep that stuff to yourself meet people where they're at not with your wonderful throbbing heartbeat about how you see wonderful things going back to Chazan's question something arises spontaneously it, something is added to it out of our mind stream somehow and then there's, a, there's a, a little spot there, a little point, a little gap, you could say, where, where you just don't have to do anything at all with it. But if you do something about it, then you put another layer on that, that dependent origination. You actually add to the circularity of your mind stream and to your life and so on. But if you do nothing with it, then that area that showed up, that area that you spontaneously added to out of your you got a coming kind of thing, is what I'm saying, uh, that you react to. I don't like that. That's not good. Then, then that, that's looking for nutrition so that it can keep going, keep generating a personhood, someone who's having that experience. But initially, nobody's having that experience. And that's why we, the, that, that aspect of the consciousness that has congealed into a me, me, me in the, seven, in the yoga chara tradition is called the seventh consciousness. That starts freaking out and wants to, I'm not saying it's a big freak out. It's a little one. We don't want this. We want that. So we tend to add on to that. So it is about not only seeing the first thing that arises without interference, seeing this, the second addition, the reaction that arises without interference. But then if you can, watch how you add. Don't try to stop the interference, but just watch how you have the first one. And then you have your one that kind of gives you the feeling like you're the one who's adding to it. If you just watch that, uh, Trunk Rinpoche, his very simple way of saying it, um, 
um, as I recall, a lot of other ways, but a willingness to be a fool because it feels, if you see what you're doing, you realize you're it's foolish to do this, but a willingness to have that feeling of being a fool, of being foolish or being kind of helpless or, or doing things that are inconsequential or that are, uh, you could even say frivolous, just frivolous kind of activity around, here's something really difficult and challenging with your in your situation and you're being frivolous with it because you don't want to receive uh, what, as I've said before, you've got coming. Not the ego. Ego doesn't have anything in particular coming. But your, old, your whole manifestation as a human being in this uh, realm of desire. More, Chiazan? Take me, take me further into that. Let's go. Chiazan, when we're meditating, um, the, the reception of the production seems like it can't occur simultaneously. Like I'm producing and producing, and then I notice that I'm producing. Is there a simultaneous reception and production that can occur, Bowing? Yeah, it doesn't show up as an occurrence so much. Uh, it, it may and it may not, but it's just the more uh, we can uh, watch the warfare and watch the peace fair, watch trying to go to war, trying to go to, trying to pull it the other way. You can't stop the war. So we tend to, we try to go to peace and try to be, we chant mantras and we say om and don't misunderstand me here. I'm not making fun of anyone who's doing those practices. I've done a ton of that stuff myself. So I'm not against that. I'm just, I'm just saying there are times when it might be better to not do that and rather just watch what moves, watch what moves, watch the dependent origination because this is a fundamental teaching of the Buddha is everything is dependently risen. Nothing comes from its own side as an independent individual entity, even though it has a hell of a strong appearance as one. So what you're asking about is uh, the best way to address that is insofar as you can, sit down, hold still, train your mind to see clearly so that so that causes and conditions that are are dealt with in a very direct, simple, receptive way uh, happen there on the cushion. And you're not going to. Not going to be any success story there, more than likely. All there could be something occur that would occur there that would be uh, insightful, it's possible. But then that same situation, you can apply that to uh, your Dharma brothers and sisters, to your teacher, to your uh, to your wife, to your child, to the world, to the news, to CNN, to everything that's showing, everything that's coming our way, the weather, the the challenges that are happening everywhere all the time. Insofar as you can, just receive. If somebody looks at you and thinks you're useless, you're not doing anything, you're not marching on this or that, or you're not for this or for that, then, uh, you know, relatively speaking, they, they may be correct. But of the two, keep the principal witness. More? Chazan? Chazan Bang, when you use that slogan, of the two, keep the principal witness, this feels like a little bit of a silly question, but if you're having a disagreement with somebody, so Jiuzan and I are arguing, there's the production of what I think he's he's doing, and then there's the production of my emotions around that. And can that principal witness um, be applied in 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 receiving one of those two first? They're the same thing. They're the same thing. They're separated, but they're the same thing. It's just production. His production, your production, just production. Right and wrong uh, uh, will will tangle you up in uh, uh, in uh, in a, a, a cage. Or just 
you know, there might be a feeling of getting somewhere, but that's the way their mundane path feels. But just, just observe. If you look for some kind of result out of that, like, oh, it's finally working. I'm finally doing what, uh, no, that's why uh, Trunk Rinpoche said, as I recall it, that a lot of things, but one of the things he said was, uh, uh, it's disappointing because it's disappointing to that part of the consciousness that is, that is self-centered and is looking for relative happiness and starting to see, starting to see that it's probably not gonna get the kind of happiness it was looking for. What, what, what it's gonna get is the truth, ultimately, not just relatively, ultimately, ultimate truth. Further, Jason? You know, my, um, I do not. There were two questions, though, um, from Julie Swope. She says, Julie Bowing, yes. I am aware that I am always motivated by the desire to improve myself. Yeah. When I sit, should I observe this? Bowing? Yeah. Never change that, Julie. It's, it's, uh, when I say don't, uh, uh, don't do this, don't do that, uh, I'm not saying you can just stop it. I'm just saying be, be aware of how you're doing it because if you ever if you are ever going to have any kind of a, a ability to kind of slide it to one side or soften it up or turn down the volume or whatever, it's going to be out of your really, really clear understanding of the way that works rather than as soon as you see it, it becomes abrasive and you run away from it or cover it up or have judgments about it. So just, uh, it's called, uh, the Buddha called it out early on he didn't it wasn't nihilism it was the truth life is suffering nerve endings everywhere and it's unusual for for it to be to have your palm or your forehead stroked by a feather more likely it's going to be a you know push pen i mean something like that that's just aggravating and insofar as you can just receive life of suffering cause of desire the goal of cessation the path is sheila samadhi and prajna this is so sheila Discipline, meditation, wisdom, sit down, hold still, look at look at what it is, and then see the truth. Simply put. It uh, can take a lifetime to do that. Go ahead, Chisho. Uh, Chisho Aang, uh, perhaps a silly question. Uh, what, what is awareness up to when it is not aware? It's always aware. It's, all, it's always aware. Awareness is always aware. There's just no one who's aware. So therefore, the, the 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 credential seeking mind has uh, has been seen through. It becomes transparent, and then depending on the karma that shows up in your life or my life or or Mark's or or Kevin's life or any or whomever, it may it may need to continue. It may need to become a Dharma teacher. It may need to uh, start a woodworking shop. It, it may need any number of of directions but you will no longer be confused about who you are, where you're going and what's going on. So, but the awareness doesn't no longer belongs to anybody. And I am not talking about some kind of, Oh my, this is really mystical. No, the kind of mysticism or mis, mis, mystical, uh, um, the kind of mystique we're talking about doesn't belong to anyone and it, no one is producing it. No one is receiving it. And but the illusion is this incredible illusion that all that we're all separate going different ways and we have our own kind of autonomy and and people yelling, I need my freedom and I need to do things my I need to be me. Those can you some of those. What is that one song? 
I did it my way. How was that? All right, Kevin, thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna hire your I'm gonna hire your thumbs. <laughs> How do you say thumbs up? Huh? Huh? Dinsen. Oh, Dinsen. That's Mandarin for thumbs up, I think. Who's here that knows Mandarin? Sanobar. Yeah, Sanobar. Go ahead. You have told me before that you don't teach noble silence. What is the difference between noble silence and 91.9 Sanobar? Uh, that's a good one. And so noble silence is a, is a structure that is taught in monasteries and temples and in Dharma groups and sanghas here and there. It's a valid way to practice. I did it for decades. I did what my teacher told me to do. And I did it. And, uh, and so it's just a structure. Uh, noble means just don't say anything at all. And functional silence means uh, don't say anything unless you need the salt and pass the salt across the table, something like that. So whereas noble silence, you don't talk at all. And then uh, 9010 is, uh, it's very situational. And so the application of a, of a structure will just help you see, I mean, if you're actually, you went and measured through the day and you had some kind of timer on you, how much you talked, how much you listened, you know, it might be, it might be more than that or less than that. It doesn't matter. Success is not an issue here. What is an issue here is the intention. You don't have to accomplish anything. Like I talk about studying the Dharma. What do you have to do? If you're a student of mine, study the Dharma. You don't have to understand it. I will never give you a test. You'll never be tested on anything. It's a misunderstanding in education and it's rampant. It's very disrespectful to people to think that everybody has to remember what is taught. And that's actually the worst thing you can do is to remember what is taught because you actually cover up. I'm not saying if it doesn't have to do with, if it has to do with woodworking or if it has to do with how to paint a house, of course, you're going to need some kind of understanding of that structure and form. But when it comes to the Dharma, uh, that's uh, not necessary. The same as 90-10 doesn't mean fulfilling that. I mean, it doesn't mean making sure that that's how much, but if you take that attitude and you see the maybe some kind of a value or understanding that might come out of that, then you might just slow down. I've had people say to me that when they uh, look at that particular teaching, that it's actually helped for them to uh, listen to their husband more. Simply put, it's it's helpful for that. And and then I sometimes say when people respond, say they you know that well, they're not sure why I'm being so quiet. I say well they might they might think that, but uh, if they say well you're not saying much, are you are you okay? Or because they're going to notice that you're not chattering as much as you usually do. And then you can just come back and honestly come back. So no, I'm just I'm just listening to you. That's what because that's what you're doing. You don't have to say. No, I'm trying to do this, live up to this particular way of, of listening all the time and, and keeping it zipped. And I'm even thinking about having a zipper installed here. So, no, it's, it's an intention. It's an intention. And it's not a success story. There is no success story. And each person's intention or some people are extreme, what they call extroverts. And some people are extreme introverts. And you'll notice if you've been in the Sangha very long and uh, you go to an intensive training seminar. Some people are absolute, are in love. They're such introverts. They just love this silent stuff. And they like to impose it on everybody. They'll come up and go, shh, noble silence. And here I, here I talking and saying noble silence. That's always curious. And then you're supposed to shut up, even though you're the kind of uh, 
the kind of a situation where you like to talk a lot. So when you see if they let's go, let's go out on the lawn, let's go out and walk. In the old days, so smoke out and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> let's get some cancer and share gossip. So the downside of that kind of a structure, uh, the upside may be that it may have helped people somewhat. I'm not saying it hasn't, but as an overall structure for everyone, as a rule, as a law, as something you're going to get scolded for talking, not helpful. That might have been helpful in ancient times or in other cultures or in monasteries when we had a bunch of 13-year-old boys in the monastery. But that's not good here. We, we need sangha. We need to talk to each other. We need to practice a lot. And if you live in the monastery, unless you have other some other thing, you're going to practice six and a half hours a day of sitting meditation. That's quite a bit. Not easy to do that. And it, if you do a lot of that, you don't necessarily feel better. That's what people notice. That they actually can feel worse because they're starting to look at what they've been covering up. So a lot of things. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. Um, Jason raised his hand a while back and had a, a question I wanted to yeah. let him. Go ahead. Can you read it? Or Jason, do you want to? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, first of all, I, I have an observation related to this. Um, is it okay? I'm not sure what my question is. Is it okay if I let you know what it is and you can give me feedback? Is it a question? I don't, I know. It's just some, an observation. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Go ahead, Jason. I'm with you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I've noticed that if I, if I, while I'm listening to somebody, if I do it, the listening in the style that I do my meditation, um, I tend to not appear to be a good listener to them because everything kind of just goes, it just kind of goes in and then out, in and then out, in and then out. Now, if I, I have this other part of my brain, that's a really good labeler. It, it likes to put simple labels like, oh, look, uh, Sokuzan just put his finger in his ear, simple, uh, objective label, you know, um, or like repeat back repeat back the words that the person that was I'm listening to said that that really helps me become a better listener to them because then when they ask me a question all of those little labels stick in my head and then I remember it helps me remember when I do that but I I realize at the same time that that's not this the you know just observing that's adding on by adding those little labels but it does seem to make me a better listener from their perspective because I I then remember stuff better. What's your question, Jason? Like, what do I do with that? Like, I I don't I don't know. Like, should I should I not add those labels? Give me, don't, don't go either or. Please don't just give me a straight question. I'd be happy to respond directly. Either or is we'll get us. Uh, we start jumping on the merry-go-round, and then you're on one side. I'm on the other. We go round and round. Just give me a straight question. I want to know if I should be adding those labels. The, the um, labels, the simple wait, wait. objective ones. <laughs> when you're through with your question, then you can go like this and I'll know that you're ready for a response. Until that time, I will continue to do what I tell you to do is listen. Sorry. No, don't apologize. I'm sorry. No, if you're sorry, then you're sorry. Well, maybe we're both sorry. Yeah, uh, there's that other phrase. What a sorry bunch we are. 
Go ahead. A ask me the question, Jason. I'll, I'll be as genuine, direct, and uh, as I can. What is it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I certainly do know what you're talking about. Yes, I know. I know exactly. I know exactly. Now, what's your question? Or was that it? <laughs> I mean, that, maybe that's all you wanted to know. Maybe. Um, what do I do with it? Don't do anything. You're doing fine. Exactly. And every, everybody isn't going to go through that same structure that you will. Some people will show up in a different way. But yeah, you're fine. Just keep going. The important, most important thing you could do, sit down, hold still, and watch what moves. And if what moves is your labeling mechanism that happens, and if what, if what happens when you're listening to someone, if you're doing that, as long as you're, it sounds like you're very aware of what's happening in your mind stream, including the labeling, including that. And if somebody notices you're not talking quite as much, you know, can always come back and say, well, I'm just trying to be, uh, I'm trying to listen more. Keep it very, very simple. Trying to hear what you're saying. And then you can, if you, if you find that you need to on occasion, that 9% is important. I mean, you can go back and say, so what do you mean by that? How do you, how do you mean? I see what you're saying. I think I see what you're saying, but how do you mean? How do you mean is one of the best things, a phrase you can say to anybody. And this not only helps you, but if somebody has to go back and, and paraphrase themselves, then they go deeper into, you actually help them because then they need to go, because they need to remember it. They'll see that they're not going to, this next time, they're not going to say it the same way. Say, well, I guess what I really mean is, and then they'll go another direction. And then, so the, how do you, how do you mean you're actually helping the person uh, uh, with the production where the production doesn't, doesn't become some kind of a, a complaint about something. Someone's complaining about something. You say, ah, yeah, I'm following you a little bit, but how do you mean? Then a person has to go back and go through that. And you get to receive that. Uh, people need to have somebody listen to them. So, some people, especially people who don't meditate, one of the best things you can do for anybody. Uh, if you're, if they're not a meditator, it's just hang out with them, you know, listen to them. Respond. Yeah, go ahead. What do you do if the other person seems to want? Oh, well, I think you've maybe just answered that. I was going to say if they seem to want responses from you, then respond. Just keep it short. Like if they say, I want a response from you, Jason. And they say, well, I like what you were saying. I'm not sure I exactly follow it, but you can fill up the air with a lot of stuff. So it'll feel to them. And I'm not trying to say you need to act or be some kind of a phony. But you can say a lot of things to people that'll give them the impression that you're saying a lot, but when really you're not. You're you're just filling up the air with words, which will allow them to uh, to interact and in what we call commonly call a conversation. So just just hang out with them. You don't have to be a special person. Uh, when they and they when they uh, well, what do you think oh, if they say? You know, if you're in my situation, if somebody asks me what I think about things, if I'm functioning as their teacher, then it's going to show a lot of a lot different than if it's the next door neighbor or uh, someone else uh, or someone who even someone in my family that doesn't even barely even knows I'm a priest, let alone uh, I'm just their grandpa or something. <laughs> I think I would say what little I know you, I'd say you're doing fine. There's, just continue to do. Uh, just continue to notice. And the other thing, Jason, is you can notice that, that that won't last. If you just keep, if you don't meddle with it, don't fix it, don't change it, don't shut down on it, don't do anything with it. It'll slowly start to morph into a, a more and more refined way of not only labeling, but also 
just receiving any kind of information. It will it will fine tune itself because it's perfect in the first place. It's the thing that makes it difficult as we cover it up with our self-centeredness, our wish and our greed for something else. It's called the great perfection. Okay, thank you for letting me break the rule and do a lot of talking there. <laughs> uh oh, was that a teaching, Jason? <laughs> you rascal. <laughs> Evan Bowen. Yes. How so? How do, how do we work with this relative moment where there's literally a movement now called "Times Up"? that's kind of about people who have been on the so-called receiving end of a lot of cultural crap, yeah. whether it's women or people of color or LGBTQ. Yeah. How, how do we work with the, the 91-9 rule when a lot of us are quite frankly receiving other people's crap bowing? Well, so that, that's a, yeah, it's a good question. And I would say that's why you have the rule or you have the guideline or something, but this is not something to obey. This is, uh, there are situations when it might flip around all the other way around just because you're in the presence of somebody with the very best thing you can do for you, for the relationship, for the whole dynamic, for the fundamental, uh, uh, the commonwealth of your welfare, commonwealth, the commonwealth of that, the very best thing you can do is uh, take it on the chin, so to speak, and, and, uh, and, Tell them. It doesn't mean that you have a have a, a, a don't set up a, a standard as a, anytime anybody acts this way, I'm going to do that. Always look at each situation on its own because one particular uh, to say it use a Sanskrit asshole uh, is uh, is is going to be totally different than the other one. One of them might be a lot meaner, but their confusion is different. And because you've been training your mind, you're going to be much more and more clear about the nature of people's confusion and how to respect their confusion. I say this over and over. If you don't respect people's confusion, then, then you can't, you would never be able to help them. You might go to war with them and they might win, you might win, but that's right, right back to the relative situation. But it's about seeing the nature of someone's confusion without doing anything with it. And if that person shows up as a, some kind of a whatever, so many different kinds of bigots or people who are self-serving and are, are actually by their activity, by the way they're functioning, are hurting other people. And, you know, I don't, they, they don't always really know that. Now, some people are so sinister that they, they actually want to watch you squirm and suffer. And they want to torture you or they want to torture your whatever, your kind, so to speak, or the LGBTQ or uh, black and brown people or uh, indigenous people. And we could go on and on with all the people who are, uh, who are, uh, not uh, treated very well, to say it bluntly. And so I would say I would just make it situational and not, not a compliment, but you're, you're a very intelligent man. Uh, it's not even a compliment, it's just a, a description. And any situation that you run into, uh, you might go, say, over the edge sometimes and bark at somebody that might have been better to just listen to them. But unlikely it's going to happen very much. Uh, uh, it's more likely that you'll, you'll just receive what shows up. Just receive... Ask my kids, I think one of them's here, ask my kids how much I lecture them about anything. <laughs> All five of them. <laughs> oh, Mason's here, he might say, oh, I remember that one time where you yelled at me, knocked me across the room. <laughs> Sound no bowing. Yes. 
if I stay quiet, people laminate onto me all of the things about passivity and getting a steamroll over me. And then eventually there may be a situation where, for instance, I have to say, sue them for $40,000. And (laughs) they feel that 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 is very duplicitous because if I were morally capable of suing them for $40,000 and disrupting their lives, surely I should have been more vocal about it beforehand. How do you work with that lamination of duplicity that people put on you if they assume passivity and then you prove otherwise? Sanobo. Yeah, that's a that's a highly sophisticated form of uh, warfare that first showed up uh, uh, during the Peloponnesian Wars. As you've heard me lecture on before, <laughs> I'm just saying that it's it's that's a very complicated area, and I I wouldn't go when you say how do I work with that's a I, I get those kind of questions all the time, and of course what I say initially is is train your mind to be more clear about the confusion that you've been trying to block out. So this is what sitting meditation is about. You sit down, not easy. Uh, and you, you watch what moves in the mind stream, and eventually you'll see that some of the crap you've been covering up, it's not comfortable. And so I'm saying, do a lot of that for one thing. And for another thing, that kind of situation you described there is so very, so situational insofar as you can receive what's going on. But if you, you, you'll find that over time, you'll be become more and more clear about the kind of confusion that someone or the kind of suffering that someone is covering up by putting that that inability to be with their own, their own the texture of their own uh, mind or consciousness by putting it on you, by torturing you by whatever means, even uh, even with a lawsuit or something like that. So if you if you had a specific situation, and we don't need to do that here, uh, I might have some other ideas about how maybe structurally or something about how to work with that. But I, I think the less is better in that situation. Um, Probably doing a little bit of, of giving them a little bit of uh, of your energy uh, coming back to them rather than holding uh, living up to some kind of a, sta- st- a standard of stillness or a standard silence. It might be better to nip at their heels a little bit, if you follow me. Junchu bowing. Yes. There are a few questions from YouTube. Yes, please. The first from Christina in Petoskey. Yes, Christina. Does awareness need to move to stay attentive? Awareness, uh, uh, so, I, you, know, it's, you could say it relatively. Uh, I could say it a couple of ways. One, you can put your awareness on that and ignore that. And anytime you put, put your awareness on anything, you're ignoring everything else, in a sense, just a relative situation. But uh, you don't have to place awareness so much. Just receive uh, the way I teach it. And it's not the right way. It's just the way I teach it from what I've been looking at and doing is watch what moves. And that way, the environment of any situation is basically still. And then sometimes things move in that and they just observe that. You don't have to track it or chase it down or, or uh, put an ankle bracelet on or something like that. You can just just watch what moves. Just It's coming, it's going, now it's gone away, now it's come back without any description of now it's coming, now it's gone away, now it's come back. No description. Add on to nothing. See the movement without even knowing fundamentally what it is relatively. And that way you begin to see the ultimate nature, which is dependent origination, pratitya samudpada, or that there no single thing comes from anywhere. No matter how singu- singular it looks, no, no, no longer, no, no, 
no matter how much each person is, uh, one person is a saint and one person is a devil or whatever, however you want to characterize it. Uh, it's not that people aren't responsible for things. It isn't we shouldn't hold people responsible. But blame, like when somebody says, uh, well, I just need to forgive or you need to, you don't have to forgive anybody. Just don't blame them. Forgiving somebody just just increases the self-centeredness. I am the one who forgave that poor, horrible person. You know, so when I say that, I also realize I've got a phrase filler in there that is, you know, you know, you know, that's my phrase filler. I'll say something and I'll say, you know, you know, know what I'm saying, know what I'm saying. Phrase fillers, you don't have to get rid of them. Good idea to be aware of them. So don't blame. And if you do blame, then instead of forgiving, just you, you could say, just retract the blame softly, gently. Just see that, that their, their, their life is difficult too. They're having their difficulty. And whatever they did to step on your toe or steal your toaster or whatever they might have done is, is dependently risen. And they're doing that to cover up their own suffering. So respect people's confusion. You're not going to be help, help be able to help anyone unless there's great respect, not only for your own confusion, but others. And don't get rid of your issues and problems. Be the shit you're trying to get rid of. Try that for a while. I'll help you. If you want to know what that's like, I'll help you. Junji Bowing. No question. Question from Jeremy in Portland. Yes, Jeremy. Is Shikantaza only a mindfulness practice and not concentration? And if so, how do you suggest we work on wise concentration? Well, and so in a sense, I wouldn't do either one uh, unless I did it situationally. And situationally is do Shikantaza, sit down, hold still. And every time you hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture. This one's preferable, but you can do the resting in the mind by putting your hands on the knees if you prefer. But just make sure it's symmetrical fairly still uh, for as long a period as you can without being rigid or being macho about it. And then, so that's just observing what moves. That's not necessarily mindfulness. Mindfulness is more about trying to be more mindful. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're sitting here and you fall asleep, that's shikantaza. If you fall over backwards, you probably only do it once, but that's shikantaza. So don't fight with a relative truth in order to attain some kind of otherness just a big misunderstanding and it goes back all different directions for centuries. I'm not here to correct anybody. I'm just saying what I'm teaching has been taught forever, just not very much. So what I would say, uh, 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 Jeremy, about that specific situation, I, I would say it would be situational. Sometimes one side might show up, sometimes another. There are times when you really need to focus and concentrate on some particular thing uh, to, to, to the, uh, keeping other things out of the way so you can really focus. But I think it's situational. And if you're if you're doing shikantaza, it's just about receiving. And, and that that way you're going to receive 100% of the time if you can. And of course, awareness is about seeing how you can't do it. It's not seeing about success. Success is the thinking process that comes in and says, I think I got this down. I actually had somebody tell me that once. Who was that? They never came back. Maybe they did have it down. <laughs> they probably did. Further question? Junji Bowing, a question from Amida. Amida, go ahead. How to recognize the true Dharma master? Yeah. So 
I think I think it's individual. It's different for, for everyone. We've all had. If you're on this screen, we have some kind of connection. Only you know what that is. Uh, I know what it is, but I don't know uh, what it is individually. I know that if I meet you, uh, I see who you are, and that's not something that uh, I'm going to explain to you necessarily. But if you come this way, then we have some kind of connection, and that, then it's up to you to decide what that is. Like just talking to. Uh, um, to someone uh, yesterday, uh, I said it's it's up to you what to do with this. I'm here if you if you need me if you want to want my help. I'm all about that. You don't have to sew robe. You know you don't don't even have to be a Buddhist particularly. So I, I would think it's uh, it's pretty choiceless. But if you're shopping around looking for the right one, that could be a lot of time there. Individual, there, there are a lot of, uh, as Trumper and Pache used to call uh, people, uh, a lot of charlatans. He's even been called, been called a charlatan. And for what, how he, what I say, that good reason, <laughs> he's a wild and crazy guy. And he, he did not really care what you thought of him, that I could tell. Daniel, did he, did he care what, he, what people thought of him? Daniel Staffler? I think Daniel's on here. Daniel hung around him, was with him a lot more than I was. Daniel's still here. Yeah, here's Daniel. No. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That Daniel's, okay, he's got that that nine, nine, nine was it 91? He's got that down. Mm-hmm. Longer stories. <laughs> I bet there are. Yeah, I've got a few of those too. So what I'm saying is this doesn't validate his craziness. This doesn't mean that he he got to abuse people or mistreat people or and which uh, some people report that he did. And, and, and for all I know, the way it looked to me, and I've talked to some of those people, it looks like that actually happened with them. And can I justify that? No, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the causes and conditions are there, but I, I know that all dharmas are without blame. This doesn't mean that some people aren't really, really responsible for things. Uh, just, I mean, there's things about Trump or MPJ that I did not like. Uh, at the same time, I did whatever he said. I did not like the, the fact they had a military. And I was in the Marine Corps, some of you know, and I know what the military is about. It's about controlling people and ending their life if they don't do, they do something that's, uh, that you don't want, you don't want to happen as a, as a, as a, as a nation. But I, I went in, I was young, I went in, I, I needed some form. There was no monastery in the town at the time, so I needed some form. So that's what I did when I came out. I had a good idea of what that was about, even though I didn't have to kill anyone. And then my father uh, tried not to go in the military in 1945, and they had a draft back then. They drafted him, uh, sent him to Germany, and he was killed in Andernach on March 16th, 1945, which is, huh? Yeah. Again, we hold people responsible, but how we, for instance, when people commit a crime, instead of trying to do it with some kind of understanding of helping them, fundamentally helping them, uh, instead, we we buy into the polarity and we put them in prison. In other words, we have to punish them for that. It's just a terrible misunderstanding, like punishing a child who's four years old, because if you don't do that, then they won't mind and they'll be a bad citizen. Some some kind of a, it's a terrible misunderstanding. And so, but, but, but Rinpoche is a... Having a, I mean, I'm sure if we, he was trying to plant the Dharma in the West. And so I, I, if I were speculating, I'd say, well, how else would you do it? But come in and, and show up like 
on business suits, which he did. And uh, West has a military, let's have a military. Of course, they had uh, the Dorje Kasong or the protector. Uh, protector situation happened in uh, ancient monasteries also. That was a very macho situation. That was, a, that was correct at the time. And what he did here to put, uh, plant the, te- the Buddhist teachings, Vajradhatu, Shambhala, and so on, was at the time was very appropriate. And you notice that he didn't lock down on anything. The next thing you know, he's moving to Nova Scotia because he said there's going to be persecution here of Buddhists. At least that was my understanding of what was happening there back in the 70s and 80s. So I would say don't look for a teacher. Don't look somewhere else. Uh, as it is said in the tradition, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that that was absolutely, relatively, fundamentally, ultimately, and consequential, consequentially. And what's that other one? That other word? Intentionally. Yeah. True, because when I, I met Trungpa uh, Rinpoche, I did not want, I mean, I thought I wanted a teacher, but I wanted a dead one. Because then they couldn't disturbed me and then I could attain enlightenment all by myself. So 12 years of studying and uh, didn't make any progress. But then as soon as I met him, it was choiceless for me. I never even I never even asked him to be my teacher. I just I asked something I know is already the case. So that was a that was a powerful uh, thing to occur when I was a uh, what Yvonne, didn't you uh also meet before the Chogum yeah. Trungpa, didn't you meet uh Category. Category Roshi. Yeah, I met I had met uh, Rinpoche, but I wasn't wasn't sure what that was about yet, and I was uh, and I was trying to find uh, isn't there couldn't I have a teacher that's less threatening? So that so I went to see Category Roshi in Minneapolis, and I sat session with him and had uh, Dokasan with him, and it was just obvious to me this not that he's not a great teacher. Uh, I have friends who were students of his before he passed. But uh, it was obvious that no, I'm afraid I'm stuck with this Tibetan guy. That's kind of the way it worked. So, and that was in seven. That was in '74. So then I went back and uh, yeah. You'll know. You'll know if you have doubts about it. You have any doubts about it? I mean, I mean actual doubts. I'm not just talking about some trepidation or some fear. You're going to have that. I had a ton of that. That I I knew I needed help. I was just. Uh, 1973, I was just too insane. I just, I knew I needed help and I needed that kind of help. I didn't need a, a therapist or a psychiatrist. Or, I'm not ruling that out, but uh, my situation was difficult. So um, I wouldn't even shop around. Don't go on YouTube and listen to uh, Adishanti and Muji and uh, all the other G's that are on there. I mean, there's just dozens and dozens all over the place on there. And I'm not against those people. Though, though, if you tune into that, any one of those people, and they, it works for you, by all means. By all means, study under them. But don't just do it on YouTube. Go meet them. Go meet them. Sit in front of them. Bill. Bill Bowling. As you continue to refine 91.9, do the two parts have to add up to one volume? I don't do much of that. Junchu, what do you think? She's a mathematician. <laughs> Junchu. Up to you. Uh, now there's a student of mine. <laughs> <laughs> up to you. <laughs> Probably, Bill. 
Final question, if there is one. Anyone? Kevin Bowing. I have one if nobody else who hasn't asked doesn't want to ask something. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, how do we hold people responsible without punishment, Bowing? Yeah. Uh, when we say when I say hold them responsible, I'm saying uh, everybody's responsible for everything. You're not to blame for anything. You don't get credit for anything, but everybody is responsible for everything. It's like living in a house and you're responsible for the house. You're living. So you're responsible for this world. So whatever happens in the world, if you're doing praise and blame, then, then we get caught up in right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. But if you just are in the world you're in and you're not focused on anything in particular, but you're not ignoring anything in general, then you see what needs your care. Then you see, if you have 15 children, how are you gonna know which one that needs your help? Not by focusing on your favorite. It needs to be meeting everybody where they are in their situation with their difficulty, with their trouble. Not easy. I'm not saying there's gonna be a success story. So, so it's not easy. So when I say hold them responsible, um, I would say do that in terms of uh, keeping them safe, keeping yourself safe, like the people who commit crimes. Uh, they need to be kept away from society, but they don't necessarily need to be uh, punished. Uh, we could, like Anders Breivik, the guy who killed all the children in, uh, what was this, uh, Tom? in Norway, you know, uh, they a little bit more civilized over there. They're trying to help the guy instead of punishing him, even though it was a horrible thing what he did, but uh, pretty insane if you start killing other human beings. The aliens out there wonder what the hell's wrong with those guys who kill their own kind. That's why they stay away from us. So and anyway, like Anders Breivik, I've probably heard of him, but it's a horrible, horrible situation. But apparently they were not rewarding him by giving him a, uh, a bed to sleep on or good food or some education, but were endeavoring, I assume they're endeavoring, endeavoring to help him and uh, going into lots of different prisons, both federal and state. It would be really good if we helped those men in there. It would be really good if we, were, if we could actually help when they get in trouble with the law and with their drugs and rather than put them in a box and lock them up, let's, we might want to confine them a little bit, but we could also give them some education, help them be kind, be generous, be kind instead of uh, do that. So holding people responsible might be, uh, if you've seen what your own confusion is, so clear that you no longer pro project your own uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance on others and think that's the person with the anger or that's the person with the problem. Uh, then, then you might be able to see when somebody comes in front of you, even though they act aggressive, they act mean, or they or they just committed a crime, you're able to see deeply into that they're extremely frightened, they're terrified of their own life, and they are trying to cover it up by their macho. We've had just had a really good example of someone who was frightened to death, who covers everything up with a power and big muscular uh, fellow, and then then all the people who who like that, then they start then their, uh, their unexamined uh, self-centered narcissism starts to resonate and therefore uh, have a little bit of, a, of an army. Well, it's not a little bit of an army, it's quite a big army. I just uh, hope he doesn't put uniforms on them. <laughs> We're in big trouble uh, for a while. Further question, Kevin? Did it make any sense to you? Oh, what is it, thumbs up? It's in. Jen's in. Joyce, does that mean thumbs up? She doesn't know. 
Just now, I don't know. <laughs> uh oh. Jeez, if you don't know, I don't know who does. So, what's next? Any final questions? Hello, Shigets. Haven't seen you in a while. And there's Inara. No, that's not Inara. Inara doesn't have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay, then we'll we'll bow and everybody can go to lunch or brunch and dedicate the merit in the monastery. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.